Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But this little dink ball, no one in the crowd are there where it's a fist pass. The weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring to me, I'm Caffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> so Porrick Pierce's are champions in Roscommon twice in three years now. So they say, Niall, um, as they say, a good team can win it once. Takes a very good team to win it twice. I'm not sure about three or four. Yeah, well, I'd say Padre Pierce's, they're delighted now this morning because like that was their first one ever to win two years ago and to come back and kind of follow it up, it kind of confirms their dominance now, yeah. having been in the final last year as Roscommon's best team, really. Yeah, so they are the dominant team, there's no doubt about that. They were two points ahead on 58 minutes, Lee, um, and they worked a brilliant hand-passed um, goal, you know, a real counter-attack goal through the hands, not as beautiful as Cora Finn's that famous one in the in the other final but it but a pretty good one like I mean I suppose two points up on 58 minutes I might have tapped that over the bar because it was a cagey game but I suppose they went for the juggler and the game game over at that stage then yeah it was a really good team effort um Niall Daly I I thought they sort of were a bit slow coming out of defense because Niall Daly took the ball and he sort of took two men on just before the halfway line and it was a bit uh you know it could have been a turnover there but like he was on fire all game so he, he burst through them pop the ball over and you know what it's like when you're behind and there's a couple of minutes left and you know you need a goal but the other team have the ball you become a bit like overcommitted with your tackles so like they all just sort of drew towards the ball all the defenders trying to get like a desperate hand in so it just made it easier uh, for Pierce's to pop the ball over the head over the next head over the next head and then suddenly they were clean through on goal and it was a matter of uh, palming the ball home but it was it was an excellent team goal and won the the manager, I'm sure, would be delighted with. Yeah, well, the manager was in the stands. So Pat Flanagan was sent off in the semi-final against uh, Bridget's and he spent the time in the sand. He said, the most difficult hour I've ever put in in football. I like being with my players. I've been down here for four years. I've done hundreds of sessions, but the players took ownership out there. Here we go again. We're talking about Nace. 
taking control of it. Are managers overrated? Well, I've seen a few photos of Pat Flanagan and uh, he was walking along the stands and he seemed like a lad that was kind of having his voice heard anyway. I think the only thing, the only effect the suspension had was really having him 10 metres further back than, than he would usually be because he, he seemed fairly restless there and he was shouting at the boys. But um, well, he's a, he seems to be a brilliant manager, Willie. Like he's won county championships now in in Roscommon, Offaly and in Westmead as well. Like, so he's, uh, he's kind of worked the oracle there and seems to have something, like he was talking about getting the best out of this team after the game and saying that they, they kind of have no ceiling. Like, and he, he just seems to have really got the best out of them there in Roscommon. Well, they lost to the Clonagale in the group stages, Lee, like, I mean, and they re- kind of regrouped um, after that. And now they've beaten St. Bridget's in the semi-final and they've beaten Clonagale in the final. So I don't think anybody's can ever claim that Padraig Pierce's are not the best team in Roscommon at the moment. You know, St. Bridges and Clonagale are traditionally the two big, you know, the two huge teams in Roscommon. Yeah, to to be the best, you have to beat the best. And, and you know, they couldn't have had a, a tougher uh, route um, to getting the trophy. And, and they did it in the end and, and fair play to them. Like um, in terms of the manager, I mean, I think in fairness to the manager, I think I think a, the main part of their job is in preparation and what's done in training a fair bit earlier in the season. You know, it's called drills because they drill everything and then you can start to watch your players when they get to the latter stage and it's almost like autopilot the way that they can play and they know what way to make their runs and what way when to come back and forward and uh, positionally whatever, where everyone should be and need to be. So although he said it was restless, it must have been nice being up in the stands and them last two minutes watching that that goal through the hands, all beautiful play and um it won't take credit for it, but I'm sure, you know, it, it looked like a well-coached goal. It's a weird one because managers, like, I mean, some managers like being up in the stand, full stop. Now, they are radioed to their selectors, but what, he's 10 metres is the rule, I suppose. So he can probably, like, a good shout, <laughs> like, I mean, I suppose. That's kind of, but managers like to think that their influence on the sideline is bigger mm-hmm. than it actually is. You get a message from the manager if you can hear him. A lot of the time you might throw your eyes up to heaven now. Yeah. Like, I mean, you would. Like, I mean, what direction have you ever, unless it's a change of positions, which you obviously do what you're told but what advice like do they really impact the game that much yeah sometimes you wouldn't even be listening closely enough to throw your eyes up to heaven at what he's like at what he's saying but yeah it reminded me of the video you see that video of Jose Mourinho last week he was watching the Roma game from behind the dugout and he was jumping up and down it was Pat Flanagan was sort of like that on the the line (laughs) there yesterday like he was doing that and he could sort of impact on the game yeah maybe to say that he had the influence on it when I, I'm not sure um, if they do it all alright lads we'll leave it there because we have Porrick Pierce's full forward Hubert Darcy and joins us on the line now how's it going Hubert? Very good now Colm can't complain too I'm much I'm sure I shouldn't really be asking you how's it going it's the Monday after winning a county title like I mean <laughs> Jesus it's a very obvious answer absolutely absolutely yeah there's no other answer that I could give <laughs> how, how were the celebrations last night? Great, yeah, great, great, great. A little bit more low key than our first one two years ago, maybe. That was a bit mad, but um, this one was kind of sweeter, I suppose, would be the word for it. Yeah, I saw Niall Daly saying that as well. That's a, a, a little bit sweeter. Why, why, why is that? Um, I think just um, the journey we were on there for a few years, like we were losing county final after county final, and two years ago, it was more relief than anything. Yeah, and a huge outpouring of just relief and uh, joy, I suppose. And then yesterday, it's kind of backing that up. We've been there before, and it's really, really um, sweet. Yeah, like I said, just to get back again and back it up, I suppose. Well, that's the thing, I suppose. A good team wins it for once, and then you know, a very good team is able to back it up. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, like, I mean, you were saying you lost like a good few finals before you weren't obviously on it for all of them, but you, you, I think you lost a couple and then you won it last year. So then you lost the final again against Bridges. If you'd lost this year, you nearly could have been back into kind of losing. The, there probably was a little bit of pressure even on this year's one. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, the, like it doesn't take much to be labelled kind of um, nearly men again after if we if we were to lose two in a row after winning the first one. So, um, yeah, just great to to show that the first one wasn't a fluke, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And like, I mean, I suppose, like I said, you lost the St. Bridges last year in the final, and you kind of followed up this year. You lost to Clonagale in the group stages. Am I right? And that that was a pretty. I think there was only four points in it, but it was a pretty convincing uh, win for Clonagale. It was Niall Daly saying that you took a good hard look at yourselves or something after that game. Yeah, absolutely. Like we started the year in the championship very poorly. Like that was a that was probably one of our worst performances for a long while now in the group against Clan. But yeah, we, we have that experience now. Like it's not the first time that that's happened to us where we've had a poor enough game in a group stage. So we had the experience to kind of know how to deal with it. Went back, like Niall said, yeah, had a really good long hard look at ourselves. And we haven't really looked back since, which is great. No, and like you did it the hard way. You beat Bridgets and you beat Clan Gale, like the two, you know, powerhouses of Roscommon football in the semi final and the final. Yeah, and the two clubs lording it over us here, the local <laughs> rivalry. So, uh, yeah, that's probably another reason why it's very sweet for us, in fairness. Yeah, the game itself, like it wasn't a great spectacle, but like, I mean, it, a lot of club games are like that at this time of the year when there's bodies going back and with the weather, it's hard to break through. Yeah, the weather, the conditions were not great now yesterday, it has to be said. But, yeah, you're right, it wasn't. It probably wasn't a great game. <laughs> Uh, Pierce's and Clan would tend to serve up those kind of games uh, fairly regularly now. Last year we beat them by a point in the semi-final. It was probably even a worse game than yesterday. So uh, <laughs> I think we were just lucky. Two two goals in the second half, we actually put together some nice moves. Um, and that was the difference really in the end. Yeah, that was it. And why, why are the cagey games? Is it just kind of respect for each other or... <laughs> Maybe the opposite. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I don't really know. I think just the two like we'd be seen down the years as a very defensive team, and Clan would be um, kind of pragmatic as well. I guess right. So just you know, we we come up against each other. We nearly cancel each other's game plans out a bit, and scores are often very hard to find uh, or come by. Right, but um, yeah, luckily we got more of them yesterday than they did. You you mentioned the two goals; they're huge in cagey games like that. Like we like we were saying, you were inv- heavily involved in the first one. You, your your kind of pretty suspect pass into the full forward line was made made look very good. I oh, yeah, I, I was nearly <laughs> blocked down, so I kind of had to get it up and over. Yeah, yeah. And it looped. Yeah, it wasn't a wasn't a great ball now, but Paul made something of it inside and broke to Connor Lohan and. It was a great finish from there and yeah, just a great time to get the goal. It gave us a bit of breathing space at the start of the half and then just as Clan were coming back into it, we got the second one as well, which kind of got us over the line. But that was a great goal like, and I presume when you're talking about being more of a you know, a defensive team and a running team, like that, that's probably the perfect goal for a running kind of counter-attack team, isn't it? Like that's what you're, that's yeah. what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like they had a, a sweeper back inside so... When that's happening, you have an extra man around the middle, so it's just about trying to break it, break a line there, and from there you should have an overlap all the way in, and that's exactly what happened. Well, that Niall Daly broke the line initially, and it was just quick hand pass, and then with the with the with the overlap that got us in in one on one and two on one really, and nice little uh, 
picture perfect pass across and Jack Tumulty his only touch of the game I think he said last night <laughs> the goal come on 10 minutes from 10 minutes to go and one touch of the ball and that was it right so he never he never kicked the goal in a county final scored a goal <laughs> no <that's> it, yeah. <laughs> Never kicked the ball, never caught a ball. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, he never even caught it, yeah, he just palmed it in. Yeah. Pat Flanagan said after the game, he says, the funny thing is that there's an awful lot more in them and I feel I expect it from them. We showed a lot of character today. I think I'm hearing this out of Pat Flanagan a lot, that she, they, even when you won the county title, I think he was saying something similar, just from memory. Like, is there a feeling that, you know, that you can, uh, there, that there's an extra gear in you? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, we were all saying last night, we didn't play well yesterday. Um, there's definitely a lot more in us. We left a lot of scores behind us. We left a lot of half chances that we didn't really develop fully. Um, conditions played a part in that as well. But yeah, we're we're we're, we're close to clicking. Um, but yeah, definitely, I don't think we're showing a hundred percent capabilities yet. Right. So, like, is he? Are you? Are you basing that on maybe click? Because you wouldn't see all the Ross Common games, obviously, on television. Are yeah. you basing that on clicking in in group games and you know showing it? You know, or are you basing this on? you know, training and what potential is in the team, you know, or what, what is this kind of clicking? When, when have you clicked? I think we, we, we tend to click for like a couple of minutes in a lot of the games. Like yesterday, the first 10 minutes, I think we were very, very good. Yeah. Like we, what were we, 4-1 up after 10 minutes? We were, we were moving the ball really well and then we just kind of got bogged down after that. Um, our run in 19 through Roscommon, we were scoring heavily. We we really clicked that year. Now I think that's really what we're going off. And in the in the two Connacht games that we won as well, we put in some really good performances there. So last year when we lost the final, we were kind of trudging through the year, didn't really get going at all, and were deservedly beaten. And like we said at the start of this year, it was kind of more of the same. And once we had that good long look at ourselves, we're getting much closer to where we need to be. Like our our semi final performance against Bridget's was. Um, was really, really good. We kicked 18 points, which is a lot for a team like us wow. to be getting. So, yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's what we mean when we're saying that, like we're just, especially going forward, going forward, getting scores easier than we have been in the past. That's the potential we have in the team, the talent that's in the dressing room. We know that we can uh, produce it on a more consistent basis. Right, right. Okay. Then. And what about Pat Flanagan? How did you manage that? So he was in the stand. He was, yeah. He was thrown out in the semi-final the last day. There was an awful lot of, of messing going on early <laughs> on in that game. So, yeah, he was thrown out. And I think that was upheld then that he had to be outside the line um, uh, uh, yesterday. But um, he wasn't too far away from the action, I'll tell you. Ah, right. So he was saying that it's a terribly difficult hour. But so, so like, he's not allowed on the pitch. So he can be at the railing, you know, and his selector can walk to the side and, like... Probably not that much difference, yeah. is there? Yeah, no, but what, it was, it's a weird one. Like, I don't know, you probably know the hide. There's like, um, there's a good bit of space there with the concrete seats before the stand. Yeah. So he was just, he was just stood in those like 10 meters away from the sideline. So yeah, look, it didn't make too much difference. At the water breaks, we went over to the, to the, to the rail and, and he was there like talking to us. So yeah. Right. And yeah, he could, he could, was, yeah, he could be in the dressing room then as well. Yeah, he came into the restroom all right, yeah, sure, they're out the back as well, so... Oh, yeah, would <laughs> it... Was going to see him. It, would, it would have actually suited G if the dressing room ban was there, because he, he could have been able to give... Yeah, them. exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd be the first team that actually chose with the dressing rooms open not to go into the dressing room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd say if the weather was a bit better, we near, nearly would have done it. <laughs> so where where's this team come from in, in Podrick Pierce's uh, Hubert? Like, I mean, you know, you've been in the last three finals, you've won two of them... 
it's just is it like is there one man kind of marked out in the club that's been bringing these underage teams up together? Um, I don't think so. Like if you look at the the team that we have now, there's a really good mix of of age groups. Like we have a serious old guard, the likes of Niall Carty and Niall Daly, who've been there for years. We've got kind of lads in their kind of prime years, like the Mur- the other Dailies and um, Davy Murray. And then young myself, myself maybe twenty four as well. That kind of age group. We've a couple from my kind of my kind of era underage. Yeah. And then this year as well, we've had a lot of 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 younger younger lads coming through. The likes of Jack who got the goal yesterday. He's only just got eighteen last week. So yeah, it's kind of a consistent um, conveyor belt. Like we wouldn't be super strong underage. We'd win the odd title here and there. But yeah, we've been able to get like two or three lads every couple of years that come through, which is which is key when you're trying to build a, scene, a strong senior team. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You don't have to be winning underage once there's two or three good lads uh, coming off coming off, uh, yeah, off exactly, the underage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, come here, like I mean, I thought you'd got. I had to do a bit of looking today to see did you drop off the Roscommon panel. But like I mean, there's a few different factors in this, and that is the Roscommon have played two championship games in two years. Like I mean, yeah. they've been two knockout championships, and you haven't featured. So like. I was wondering where you were going, but you have been on the panel the last couple of years. I have, yeah. I kind of broke through in 2019 when we won Connacht that year. I was getting on the team and getting playing. Yeah. And then just before the first lockdown there with COVID in the league, I was kind of consistently getting on the team. And then since then, yeah, I just haven't been getting a look in really. I've had a few injury issues and it's been a frustrating couple of years. And like you said then, yeah, just two one-and-done championship years doesn't really help matters either when you're looking for game time as well. But, um, yeah, look, hopefully we can. I can drive on from here. I know myself, I haven't been in the greatest of form either in the last two years, so can't really look too far, uh, too, too far away from my own self as well. So, look, hopefully I can keep going from here now. I feel like I'm playing good football at the moment. I've got a bit of confidence back, so... Hopefully I can drive it on. You're a weird one in that first impressions is always kind of something that sticks with you. And then the first time I saw you playing is a wing forward for Roscommon. And then I see Patrick Pierce's winning. I'm like, Jesus, they've converted the wing forward into a full forward when it's actually the, <laughs> it's completely the other way around. You've always been a full forward. And Anthony yeah. Cunningham converted you to a wing forward. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much nail on head there. Yeah, I've been a full inside line the whole way up, minor, underage. Um, and yeah, once Anthony came in, then I was kind of moved out to the wing to to do a bit of donkey work. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, look, it's 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 good to get both sides of the stick as well. A bit of versatility is no harm as well. Ah, yeah, make well, it probably makes you work harder when you go back in full forward. In that, you you can work maybe half as hard as the half forward line, and you're still working harder <laughs> than you did before. Well, that's it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I can see, I can see from being outside trying to deliver ball in what I'd want to see out there and it just kind of, you know, different perspectives uh, can bring it, bring different things into your game that way as well. Yeah, and how did you take to that? Like, I mean, did you enjoy all the work that comes with the modern wing forward now? You know, breaking that, breaking back, doing a lot of tackling, then trying to break back up when, when the ball's turned over? Because I suppose Ross Common um, game plan wouldn't be a million miles from, from Pierce's, would it? No, yeah, like it, there is there is a lot of work that goes into that role, but um. I think once you're thinking through it, once you can anticipate things, like if you see a, a kick out gone out the other side um, of the pitch, you can start hedging your bets and start getting back like uh, a little bit early, and it makes life a lot easier than having to sprint back if you're if you're reacting rather than being uh, ready first. 
Right. You know, I, so. Yeah, I see with a lot of teams now, and I was at the I was at the Leash uh, semi-finals as well um, yesterday, and uh, different club matches, and it's the kind of like two men in the full forward line. You have pretty much everybody else defending, and then when you break, when you win the ball back, you know, like it's I a mean, big strength of the pitch. It, yeah. Well, there's a huge gap, so there's no there's no chance yeah. of a kick pass. Everything has to be run, and you're running through a huge a pile of players and it's a wet ball and it often breaks down you know whereas if you had somebody bridging that gap you could actually kick it up to them and you could take a little rest Yeah definitely um, that's something that we, we try to do now with Pierce's and sometimes, you know, best laid plans go out the window. <laughs> yeah. Well, they well, they, yeah. Ob- they obviously have to follow their men on some occasions so they get sucked yeah, in. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. A lot like teams are holding on to the ball a lot more now going over and back to pitch, you know, being patient. Yeah. So when that happens, like your all your forwards get sucked back because all the backs are going up to help out with that kind of keeping the ball stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of where those big, big gaps um, um, appear, I suppose. Yeah. And like you said, it can be very hard to, to link effectively then. That's it. So, like, I mean, I, I, like, you know, you're running up. I, I presume when you win the ball back, and the other team has most of their players in your half, and you've most, you've <laughs> nearly all most thirty players, players in, in our own half, and yeah. then you have to work it out through this through the hands because there's no kick pass on. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. But um, there's plenty of training drills that get you ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those hand passing drills where there's no kick. Hand passing so, drills. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm describing <laughs> this, I'm kind of glad I'm retired, Hubert. <laughs> I was born in the wrong era. <laughs> Come here. What are the plans for today? Like, I mean, Pierce's Porrick Pierce's is made up of three little parishes. Am I right um, in saying that? So, what yeah. do you what do you do the day after? Do you pay one a visit, or do you go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, in one uh, different <laughs> one parish um, each? Um, I, last night we were obviously in the clubhouse. So I think that counts as hitting all three in the one. <laughs> uh, today, I think we're obviously right outside Banlaslow there. So I think most of the lads are going into town for the day, um, into Banlaslow there. So that's that's the plan at the moment anyway. So right. We'll see what happens later on. Sounds like a good plan. Come here, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Yeah. I'll, let you, I'll let you on um, and enjoy the celebrations. Thanks very much, Hubert. And best of luck um, oh, with, for yeah. the rest of the year. No bother, Colm. Cheers. Thanks a million. Great stuff from Hubert there. There was more drama in Offaly. The Offaly County final um, probably had more drama in it, but it wasn't on TG Cahar. It ended in a draw. Um, last kick of the game, Niall McNamee scores a goal. Like, I mean, Roy of the Rover stuff. Niall McNamee, obviously, I'd say probably up with the very best forwards Offaly have ever produced in the top three, um, you'd, you'd imagine. He scored the goal. So Anton Sullivan... Ah, look, you'd have to be very... You'd, you would be critical of, of Tullamore in this. Like, they're, they're a goal up. This is the very last attack of the game. Anton Sullivan has a free. It's brought up. Um, he kicks a diagonal ball. He's obviously looking for Niall McNamee. Niall McNamee is behind his man initially, comes running for it, wins a great ball that just hops in front of him up into his belly. And then he's running into trouble. He has a man behind him. He's running into another man. And instead of the other man putting his hands out and wrapping Niall McNamee, grabbing him and pulling, pulling him to the ground or doing anything, he, he tries, the, he tries the, the showboating shoulder and he's only a small little lad. And he hits Niall McNamee such a shoulder that he knocks Niall McNamee back from the direction he was coming, 
into a clear path on his left foot and I'm back to be buried a goal. I don't know. Like, you know, it's hard to be too critical of him because, like, I mean, there's panic stations at that mm-hmm. stage. But gee, sometimes this showboating shoulder is not, it's not what, you, like, the, the harder thing to do is just put your hands out. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to be too critical of him because, like, it was, it's, it's so late in the game and, like, it was, it was the 64th minute and it's just, like, you're kind of doing anything you can. And, like, your man that came in for the shoulder, he's probably thinking, like, right, like, I know he came, he came from a long way away, like he was nearly 15 metres coming in and he just had such momentum built up, he said, right, I'm going to hit him. But it was, it was definitely kind of miscommunication between the two of them because the other lad was kind of shadowing McNamee coming with him and this lad just pushed him back to where there was no one there. Like, and yeah. like McNamee did well himself as well because it was, he collected, it, was, it wasn't an easy ball the way it hopped kind of in front of him. And so then when he got that shoulder, it sent him on his way and like with the left foot like just straight into the bottom corner like it was some finish in fairness and the scenes behind the goals you could see the road fans were jumping up and down and at the same at the same time there was Tullamore lads and it was in O'Connor Park and Tullamore and they just their head in their hands like and you'd feel for them like because they haven't won I think since 2013 like and when you're three points up that late in the game it's some sickener isn't it you want, you want, to, you want to wrap it up and Alan McNamee was sent off in the game so you, like Tullamore might look at it as and this was our big chance but I like obviously we, we don't want to criticize the defender too much but like I mean it's happened to me loads of times where you take a shoulder and you go oh Jesus lovely how did that happen I've just been knocked out of the trouble and now I'm away um, it doesn't happen all that often but even for Niall McNeil because he did hit it he took a fairly big hit and again to even, to even to talk about how, how silly it was and going back to it again Niall McNeil is a big unit like you're probably not going to knock him and it was, he wasn't that big of a player but the composure is supposed to take the ball on the hop under pressure known as the last uh, attack of the game to take that hit and then go back over onto your left-hand side, uh, Lee, and just shake the hit off and then go, right, I'm right in front of the goal's last kick of the game and have the composure to bury it into the bottom corner with the inside of his foot. Yeah, I mean, he, he was the coolest man on the pitch at that stage of the game. Uh, it was an incredible goal because he still had so much to do, really. I mean, the distance, it, it was a fair bit of distance. The goal, it even took a bobble on the ground just before it went into the net. I guess that's how far it, um, he was in the par that he needed to get for it to make it. But it still had enough to carry right through to the net. Um yeah, in terms of the hit, it was it was probably a bit silly. Like, uh, it's not even just that he hit him and that, that took Niall into space. It's the fact that the other defender, the one who was on Niall, uh, was goal side of him. Yeah. Um, like I say, he was sort of far out enough that if he just, you know, stay big, stay tight to him, don't let him turn, or at least if you're going to let him turn, you know, uh, don't give him too much space so that like, he has to go for the point and you can get a hand on. Um, the sweeper or whoever it was that was flying in, he would have been far better just even, you say, wrapping him up, if he hadn't even just went in behind again and really closed up that channel uh, you know it would have took less energy it would have it, it, I don't know it's, I mean it's all very well and good saying it you know from our point of view we didn't play uh, 63 minutes or whatever it was of the match at that stage um, absolutely exhausted a little bit desperate and as Niall says he had serious momentum behind him so you start to believe in your own momentum when you take a big sprint you think I, I, I can knock over anybody here but uh, he found out he couldn't yeah he certainly couldn't and if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about or haven't seen, seen this it's online Offaly uh, TV have tweeted out I've tweeted it out from my Twitter account and everything we're saying here will start to make sense to you once you see that about 20, 20 second uh, clip so yeah we'll look forward to the replay in that one see Tullamore lose their chance or not more drama Lee I'm going to stay with you uh, Cole Island what the hell is going on with these lads not only are they after knocking Eden Dork out with 2-1 was it in 2-1 in injury time I was trying to think back mm-hmm. 2-1 in injury time to knock to break Eden Dork hearts they scored three goals in the last eight minutes to beat Errigal Kieran by a point they were down to 13 men 
when they scored the three goals. Like, this game was over. Like, what is going on with this club? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I said it before that it's uh, the Trone Championship this year. The hashtag with it is hashtag refuse to lose. And like, it, it, that's just that's just the mantra that these teams have been taking because it was an absolutely insane game. I was trying to live tweet it, but like, I couldn't keep up with it. Like every time I turned around, I was like, oh, and by the way, there's two players sent off. Oh, the goalkeepers just scored. Like it all got absolutely out of hand. But um, initially the first half, it was all Eric here and they were very much in control. Um, Kalalin were strange. They were playing this route one football. They were dying to get the ball into Paddy McNeese and fall forward. Uh, Eric Lekeren had a sweeper back and they were just sweeping it up. And they must have been delighted all day, you know, like, yeah, just keep sending it in. We'll gobble it up and we'll come at you. And and that, that proved to be the case. And although Eric Lekeren were only a point up uh, at halftime, uh, Kalilin hadn't actually scored from play at that stage. And Dark Yanovan, you know, the, Kalilin seemed to be a little bit too obsessed with him in the sense that, like, uh, uh, Potty Hampshire got a really good block on him at one stage, but Michael McKernan was definitely sent to do a job on him, and they got very friendly with each other, two Tyrone teammates, but uh, they got into a bit of a scuffle and whatever, and it led to Michael McKernan's first yellow card, and then in the second half, Peter Hart scores this absolutely wonder point from the sideline, nearly the corner flag. I mean, it was outrageous, and he's a guy who'd be very calm, uh, doesn't really celebrate, but he gave a big, huge fist bump. You know, that's what it meant to him, and then it followed with Michael McKernan throwing the head up. He got another yellow, and then it's a red card. And you have to say at this stage that Kalilin, you know, down to 14 men, it's the 51st minute. They haven't got a shot from tar- or they haven't got a shot from play. Um, out of nowhere, they get this goal. Uh, Jason Carberry, he, get, he takes it from distance. It takes a slight deflection, goes into the corner. So now they've got a goal. But Rory Canavan, uh, the younger brother, he came on as a sub for Argyll Cairn. He scores these two wonder points in succession, like like within a minute of each other. So nearly cancelling out the goal anyway. How's he a sub for Argyll Cairn? I, I don't think he wasn't a sub in the in the first two games. So he must be nursing an injury or something. And he did have a starting number on his back, right. whatever it was with... Uh, with the warm up or something like that, but Dark Canavan had came off injured at this stage, so maybe the Michael McKernan job did do uh, what they wanted on that. But uh, Rory was on, and he was a real spark. So then, you know, like he still didn't have too much hope for Kalilin, but in the 55th minute to get a penalty that was scored by Tiernan uh, Quinn. He, he's another exciting player. Uh, he would have started himself when he's nursing an injury as well. Uh, then, in quick succession after that, Brian Toner gets a goal. So that's the 57th minute. So now they've got three goals in succession, which actually points them one point ahead. Um, and then the next thing I see is the Ergel Kieran goalkeeper running the field and he gets the equaliser from play with an outrageous <laughs> score. And you're just sort of thinking, what's actually happening here, you know? And then uh, Kalilin corner forward gets sent off. His second yellow, his name escapes me, number 15. But uh, so they're down to 13 May. The game's in the melting pot. It's a draw. And um, they get a free kick from uh, a brave distance. And Cormac O'Hagan, who had scored five already in the match, you know, it was his, he, he managed to seal it over the bar for his sixth point. And like now they're in the lead and no one can sort of believe it. Like the the camera of the match was shaking. You know, you were trying to sit and make out what was actually happening. Uh, the Ergel Kieran did get one more attack. It fell to Peter Hart. It was a speculative effort. Like, I mean, in fair play to him, it actually it went just way, but it would have been an outrageous score. But uh, that proved to be the last attack of the game. And now Kalilin are in the final somehow. I, I can't really explain it. Yeah, Jesus, refused to lose. That's uh, That sums it up. They played Dramore, obviously. That was the game on RT on on Saturday night. I saw a tweet from Eamon McGee after the match. How many McNabs live in Dramore? There's four forwards out of the six are McNabs, Avli. Yeah, if, there's, there's if you, a lot of McNabs. If you're actually listening on the radio, you say, geez, your man McNabs playing great stuff. That's exactly what <laughs> He's I was on every ball. <laughs> I, I was watching the game and yeah. I was like, geez, this lad McNabb is unbelievable. <laughs> He's the fittest man I've ever seen, and sure. 
I'm only after finding out there now this for them. Yeah, so there's Sean, Ronan, Senior, Ronan, Junior and Emmett, Lee. Yeah, um, <laughs> this man's everywhere. God, he's just, he's in the back lane, he's up front and whatever. But uh, yeah, uh, the two Ronins, Ronan McNabb, they're not actually related, but they're called them Junior and Senior. There's only four year difference between them. All oh, right. But it's the only way that they can differentiate. Um, and then Sean McNabb, I think they call him Magpie because apparently... Uh, he used to be very fond of his food, so that's maybe a harsher one, but uh, they have a way of, of uh, uh, differentiating them all. But Emmett McNabb was definitely the star at all of them, and they, they each of them played an excellent game. But Emmett McNabb, I think he finished the game with five points, but one of them was in the first half, and it, it, it was just brilliantly worked the ball. Uh, it fell to Niall Sludden, who, like like a basketball touch, it was no sooner in his hands that was it slipped off. Uh, off his shoulder and Emmett McNabb running down the left flank almost at the sideline and he clips one over and it was yeah it was it was it was a brilliant score and another very entertaining game Trillick uh, were seven one down at the first water break but then they at half by half time sorry they were three points up yeah they started the second half very well and they, their first wide actually came in the sixty third minute but they hadn't scored from something like the forty something something like that you know so they were maybe very conservative with their shots uh, didn't take any risks and they ended up losing by two points so Tremor and Kalilin in the final That's it and like I mean the game of two halves the Trillick Tremor one was a game of four quarters that's kind of how you would sum in an old school cliche way of summing that one up two great semi-finals in Tipperary in the Hurling uh, Nile. Lockmore um, beat Boris Ali seven points down 20 minutes playing now they had a strong win behind them John McGrath scores I think the, he scored one four, the last one four of the game. Yeah, he scored. He scored one five. I think in the last like fifteen minutes, one 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 five of their last one six. Like, and it was just such a typical Lockmore kind of. They never know when they're beaten. Like, never, don't they? Not like, and I'd say as we were talking about last week, kind of about the the football, the the, the whole club. club spirit. Like, it yeah. just seems to be these lads are. They've played so many games together, and they just got through another one yesterday. Like they were. They were six or seven points down, like very early into the game, like and Bursa League going well, like Jerry Kelly, our man, like scoring from different angles, scoring from a sideline side even, yeah. like and you know Bursa League were hurling well at that stage, but Lockmore, you always felt even when they were six, seven points down, you always felt that these lads were going to come back into it, and like Sir John McGrath, he's been the he's been the man of the match in the county football quarter final, the hurling quarter final, and sure he's obviously going to be man of the match, having scored one twelve yesterday, like he's just on fire at the moment, like and. When they've him going so well, Noel McGrath, Lee McGrath, like you know, they're they're in great form. It's great to see them back in the county final after the heartbreak of last year too. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, I'd ho- I'd be really rooting for them after what happened to them last year. Like the 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 sight of John and Noel kind of mm. crying after losing both bloody finals. They're both after extra. We're both very late uh, losses. Anyway, here's the one I want to ask you about. John McGrath had a penalty in the 58 minutes. It's 18 points to 113. Two points in it. This puts three in it which covers yourself for a goal. Remember the county final mm. last year, they're two points up. Kiladang can get the, the the 45 goes, or the 65 goes over the bar, the goalie takes a quick, they go down and get a goal, game over. Like, is John McGrath not thinking of that? He went for the goal. Now, obviously the game's over at that stage then. He scored it. It goes 118 to 113. But if you were a manager, would you be shouting back in, just tap that over? Yeah, but John McGrath, has, he, has, he's, he scored two penalties in the last game he played. He's been man of the match the whole time. I'd say he's just playing with such confidence. Like, and having scored those, those two penalties against Killer On, he's like, right, yeah. I'm going to bury this. Like, and that's exactly what he did. Like, and like, I suppose similar enough to the one that Patrick Pierce's goal earlier. Like, you know, they were two points up 58 yeah. minutes as well. And these boys just going for the juggler. It's sort of a sign of a team that's playing with a bit of confidence. And uh, 
it's great to see him finish it off because that was the end of the game there and then. See, that was the end of the game, mm. I suppose. If he does go for the point, there's three in it. There's a lot of nerve still. Yeah, exactly. it nearly When that goal goes in, Leah, at least you know the game is over. Like it is. There, you're, there are not going to be too many comebacks at that stage. 58 minutes, five down. I don't know. I think managers will get the message in, tap it over. But the forward who's in confident mood isn't listening. Yeah, I mean, it's a trait that I've always uh, really admired, you know, being brave and taking them scores because like the manager, I'm sure, is screaming from the sideline, you know, just to take the the easier option. But um, it's, it's, it's just forwards, the, the forward mentality, you know, peak forward mentality, have, having the, the, the bravery. That's why you're playing in that position, because you want to be the, the main man, the star. And when the opportunity comes, you have to grab it. Yeah, no, well, that's true. And there were with the wind. I suppose a penalty with the wind, you can give it, he gave it a good whack into the, into the bottom corner. Defending champions out. We have a whole list of defending champions out. We're going to start with Killadangan, um, Turlisar. So to give you credit, now you called this last Thursday. I said there's going to be a lot more Killadangan finally. Well, oh, no, well, no, Turlisar feels, uh, will be there, thereabouts. This is kind of like the story of a young and older. Uh, players at both end of the field. Paddy Creedon, son of Peter Creedon, ex-leash manager, wouldn't been over, uh, not overly impressive as a leash manager. His son's bloody good. Five points from play and Paddy Maher cleaning up house at fullback. Yeah, you'd have to start with Paddy Maher because like I wasn't counting but it seemed like he was he cleared about 30 balls. Why are you poking on it Saturday. in on top? Why are you poking it in on top of Paddy Maher? But you see, he was just everywhere, Wally. He was sweeping across. He started full back, and I think he was either on Paul Flynn or Billy Seymour. They were kind of like these two boys are on the tip senior panel, and they were kind of interchanging, moving around. But Paddy was there, and there was a good few balls that kind of just came into the full back line. And Paddy Maher has this way. Whether he if he doesn't win it straight, most of the time he catches the ball, and if he doesn't catch the ball, he the ball seems to break and he's already running out with the ball in his chest like and like he was marking some brilliant players but he was throwing he was horsing them out of the way like they were only like they were only juveniles like it's just the strength the man has and people say like I know there'd be some people saying oh Paddy Matter like is is he nearly is he nearly coming to his end in the Tipperary jersey but like if you'd watched that game yesterday or on Saturday, like he was just—it was unbelievable. I haven't seen anything like it from a, a fullback just completely dominating the game. And in fairness to Kildanian, they have at Alan Flynn centre back, and a lot of it was kind of just like nearly a tennis game between Paddy Maher and Alan Flynn. Like Alan Flynn has, like he, he's obviously on the Tip team and he's 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 a good player for Tip, but he's been the best club hurler in Tipperary for the last two years without a shadow of a doubt. Like I'd say he was man of the match in f- three or four of the group games Kildanian played this year. And he was just unbelievable yesterday or on Saturday as well. Like and then like like Kildanian, they're they're a brilliant team to sort of work the ball up the field. They're brilliant to take their scores and their two goals kind of came against the run of play. But Turles were probably the better team and Paddy Creedon was was the main man. Like he scored points at different times when they really needed him. Like he's he's only nineteen years of age and between himself and Dara Stakelum, who made his first start for them, he's only nineteen as well. The two boys were brilliant, like and that was the difference in the end. These young lads just driving it on for Turles Sarsfield. Right, okay, so keep my eye out for those boys. Billy McCarthy, of course, came on for Turles Sarsfield's three cruciates, so great to see him back. I think we gave him a shout out when he was back from two cruciates yeah. and you were feeling sorry for him. So three cruciates um on as a sub. Here's something I want to talk to you about, Niall. Turles Sarsfield's a Twitter account hurler on the ditch. I think he's a Anonymous. You might know him in Tipperary. I don't know, but he's 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 a decent uh, Twitter account. He listens to this, to this show a lot because I interact with him um, on Twitter. <coughs> Turles Sarsfield's Durless Oog in 2021. Their county senior finalist obviously won the semi final. They won the under ni- under 19 county championship, under 17 county championship. Durless Oog won. 
under 15 county championship Durless Oak won and under 13 county championship Durless Oak won and I was like what the hell is this because Durless Arsley is blue and white and Durless Oak are, are red and white so Durless Oak are the, are the juvenile section of Turles Sarsfields, but they're a completely different club with different colours. Like, I, I, this blew my mind. I'd never heard of anything of the like. It's such a strange, unique situation. I'm going to do something on this next Thursday to explain it to people. How's this come about? What the hell really is it? You can give us some bit of an idea on how Turles Sarsfields Juvenile Club is a different club. Yeah, like, we wouldn't have played Turles Oak too often um, when we were youngsters, but... You'd always just have kind of had that idea that Durless Oak is just a juvenile section of Turles Sarsfields with maybe a bit of a fancy name and the red and white jersey. But I was talking to a man this morning and he was just telling me that Durless Oak is like, it's a completely different club. They have different administrators, a different board. And he says there's people in that club like who would be staunch that this is a different club like and that this is a different organisation to Turles Sarsfields. Like it's a, it's just, they call it kind of an academy for the young players in Turles, but like nearly like most players who play for Turles Oak, like if they continue playing hurling, they're going to play for Turles Sarsfield. So it's a strange enough one. And what, uh, gro- what could they tur- play in Turles Sarsfield's grounds? Obviously, yeah. There's, and he, he was telling me as well that sometimes Turles Sarsfield would be playing. I think there is like a Park Nanog, it's called in Turles, and Turles Sarsfield would train there a bit as well. I think the red and white colours comes from it was set up by. Um, like some Christian brothers who were in the school in Turles, Skull Alva it was called, and they're red and white. So that's where the right. red and white comes from. But yeah, going back to the Herder on the Ditch, that's the biggest kept secret in Tipperary. I don't think anyone knows who he is. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, well, does he say something controversial? Like, is Liam Sheedy after him or anything like that? Or uh, is it? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Another one who's gone out. Actually, have you ever heard of anything like this? Or is it just me? No, that, that's, I mean, uh, I was trying to follow everything Nal was saying there really carefully to try and uh, make heads or tail of it. I mean, that that's incredible. The fact that it's treated more like an academy, but what what if it's a situation like uh, like you're a really good minor player, can you play senior for Thurlis or, do you know what I mean? Can you can you mix between the two or is it like a separate membership issue or do they just keep the academy until you graduate or, or off age, like whatever way they want to call it? See, when they won, they, they won, I think it was before... They won the minor last year. I think that was like under 17. And that was the first eight year the grade changed in Tipperary. And it was kind of a bit of a tension, like, will this be Durless Oak now or will it be Turles Sarsfields? Well, he has it down under 19 as blue and white Turles Sarsfields, under 17, red and white Durless Oak. Yeah, or maybe it was the last year minor, but there was a bit of tension, like, which which club is this going to be? So they called them Nassar Shalig Durless Ella. So it was like a a mix between the two of them. And they wore white jerseys that year with, I think it was a bit of red trim, but it was just like to keep everyone happy like so it's uh, you, your man who you have on on Thursday he's a bit of explaining to do he usually does the plot tickens here <laughs> uh, right another county champions out East Kerry are out Austin Stacks beat East Kerry beat them well actually East Kerry got a couple of consolation scores they're not as strong obviously this year the spa uh, players Dara Moynihan and some of those lads they went up senior um, you know so they, they lost them like first round hasn't been the, the divisional team's friends um, six of them went out out of the eight games only two only two won so East Kerry are out Mid Kerry are out West Kerry are out Shannon Rangers are out St Kieran's are out and Field Rangers are out and then I was thinking like these area teams first round is not their friends because like I mean they all play with other clubs and then they come together 
after the club championship's over, I'm sure the divisional champions are very, very nervous for the first round. You're throwing a lot of lads together that would have kicked the shit out of each other in the club championship. They train probably only for a couple of weeks and then they're out against a seasoned club team that have been together all year. Do you know what I mean? When you think about it, uh, there's a bit of me thinking when you see an East Kerry winning two in a row and they've all these great players, geez, that's hardly fair. And then you look at it on the, on the flip side of it, um, Niall, and you can kind of see why they don't probably win it every year. Yeah, you kind of realise that club championship, it's not played on paper. like And like, sure, it, it, it can only be tough for a team like that. Like, you know, there's lads, they've, they've played for their clubs in that club championship. And, you know, they're used to that. And then they're coming in together and it's just... It's a different sort of a dynamic and especially in the case of East Kerry, like when you get a draw like Austin Stacks, who are just coming off winning the club championship and coming in in great form, like they all know each other's games and so on. Like sure, it's, it's obviously going to be difficult for, for a club like East Kerry just to come in and sort of, you know, stick it to them and get themselves going. Yeah, so David Clifford got sent off and didn't score from play, two frees. So. His marker scored from play, I think it was a Dylan Casey lad. He's, he, some day for him like to keep Fairy Clifford, tale stuff. Isn't it? Yeah, outscored David Clifford, a defender. <laughs> um, that's good going. Kieran Donaghy broke the Austin Stacks um, record. Austin Stacks are a very defensive team and they went 1-7 to 4 points up against East Kerry and they dropped all the players back behind the ball and Donaghy and Everett like it's strange for Austin Stack such a prestigious famous Kerry team to be playing a very defensive system for starters now they've no real star players Donaghy obviously is their star but he, he like he's 38 now he broke the appearance record on 60 um you know, but dropped all their players back. And instead of going 1-7 to 4, Clifford sent off, let's beat them 2-14 to 4. The game the game finishes up 1-7 to 1-5, Lee. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that they could even do that and that they had a system in place um, and I was obviously prepared and drilled in the training ground and things, that, that goes back to that disadvantage that East Kerry had that you were talking about, you know, that they were sort of thrown together uh, with very little time to prepare. And, they, they, you know, they didn't get like, a lot of time to work on like what way they want to play football and plan A, plan B, plan C, etc. So that that definitely is an advantage um, for Austin Stacks. And in terms of Kieran Donaghy, yeah, I did read. Uh, I think it was the Examiner that was saying that he, he played a key part in that sweeping role. They know they had him right back, and I suppose he's a big unit of a man. He's good safe hands. He'll definitely do a job there. And uh, sixty was the record, yeah, for the club. Uh, sixty championship appearances was yeah. the record for. Uh, Austin Stacks. Uh, when I put I put a social post up to say that for on GAA Joe on, on Twitter, I think, and had loads of people commenting under it, you know, being like, "Oh, this fella did a hundred for such and such, and a hundred here and there, or whatever." But I think it's like, but you gotta understand, you know, the level that Austin Stacks play at, you know, in carry football, um, you know, to be thirty eight and be making that many appearances for it, it's the longevity of it nearly that's that's uh, nearly more impressive because it's such a uh, a high level of football so yeah fair play it's just an Austin Stacks record though right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah it's just for the club yeah it's yeah. just for his club championship appearance uh, record Coolar out in Dublin other county champions <laughs> out about six different county champions out Coolar out in Dublin in the in the hurling uh, Kilmico Croaks beat them um, not the type of dual club that we're we're kind of uh, banging on about I don't think there's any players playing dual they're, they're they're in the hurling final. They're in the football semi-final against Ballyboden. That's going to be a great semi-final. I was looking through the hurling team. I didn't recognise any footballers uh, playing for them. Rory O'Carroll and his brother used to kind of play duel. But like, I mean, I suppose when you're there playing numbers, we don't have to. We don't need to double up. Yeah, sure. I think they are, aren't they officially the biggest club in Ireland in terms yeah. of club membership? membership like, so you're yeah. never going to, if you're starting on both teams, it's like, 
you're never going to be able to do that really like and Kilmacud Crokes like I'd say they were delighted to get that kind of hoodoo out of their heads because they've lost to Kula in two county finals they drew with them in another and they're just I'd say Kula were kind of the the bogey team for yeah. them like, but Dead they, men walking though Kula weren't yeah. they all year when you look back it's almost like the Dublin footballers you think ah they'll spark they'll spark you know they're getting over games but when the big semi-final final comes and then they end up get, getting beaten and then the hindsight analysis goes ah just they were there for the taking all year you know when you're yeah. not really thinking it you're not thinking it going through the games yeah you're kind of thinking oh geez, they're just doing enough and they're kind of they're steadily getting yeah. there like all the time but Kilmacud Crokes are like they're a very good team and they've got some brilliant players like you know and these lads really they've a few young lads like there was a Dar- Dara Purcell who was brilliant on that Dublin under 20 team who got to the All-Ireland final um, when they were beaten by Cork but they've so many other lads as well the likes of Fergal Whiteley was very good yesterday plays yeah. for Dublin Ushin O'Rourke and Ronan Hayes and Alex Constein like we called them the twi- Twin Towers there last week and they just Kula just weren't really able to manage them like the whole way through the game and Hayes, when he got his penalty, he just stood up and gave a great sort of a, a celebration. But the boys were kind of, they seemed to be very up for it and they'd been going well the whole year. And I suppose, like, this is hindsight, but you could have seen it coming. Yeah. Well, who do you, you could have seen it coming? Like, I'll have to ask you about this. This is the weirdest one. Because then I see, I was watching a match and Conor Callahan's wearing uh, 26. I didn't see the start of it. And like I'm saying, geez, why is he wearing 26? And then you were telling me he started wearing number four. I was like, what the hell is he doing wearing number four? There was two number fours. So obviously he plays full forward. You have your cornerback wearing number four. They obviously lost their number 14 jersey. So as a as a little remedy to this, to put him wearing number four, the referee cops there's two number fours, makes him go over and change into number 26. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was poor enough logic from whoever gave him the f- number four jersey there, just go on Tron number four. Yeah, we there. get away with this. I wonder did they draw one in front of it or something. Like that. This is, you have to remember, this is cooler. What sponsorship deal did they get? Hawaii. Hawaii, I can't never pronounce that. Hawaii, the mobile phone company, 100 grand or something. And they're sending Con O'Callaghan out in a number four jersey. There's hope for all of us, isn't there? He came came back off the sideline. He was only after changing the jersey and he stripped off, took on 26 then. And I'd say within 10 seconds, he was collecting the ball and sticking it straight over the bar like it was gas. But the Kilmacud lads kind of seemed to be just standing off Con O'Callaghan. They were kind of just so worried about him that whenever he got the ball they nearly just said right you can take your point like and he was getting points that just came to him so easy like you know you'd think they'd nearly push up on him a small bit more but I suppose it's the fear factor when you're playing a lad like him Yeah it definitely is they play Nafina who are in the first ever final in Dublin so there's a novel kind of uh, pairing there Mike Cullen are out in Galway another county uh, champion uh, knocked out Mount Bellew my luck beat them probably not a huge surprise there it's just a little bit kind of surprising they won it last year Lee they had no Peter Cook they have Peter Cook back this year Peter Cook's flying it and they can't win you know they can't win it I'd say Peter Cook is like Jesus I take one year off um, got new Galway coach Keen O'Neill was in the stand with Porrick Joyce watching this one yeah per Peter Cook like I mean because he obviously only adds to the team it's not like he's an anchor or anything you yeah. know I mean uh, he's only going to be a plus in that sense so he, he must really be kicking themselves but it's happening a lot this year in terms of the defending champions we've talked about it before there just seems to be uh, there's there's a hangover you know from the season before when you win it like it, it takes something special to to go back to back and, and this proves it but uh, Keen O'Neill and Padraig Joyce there, yeah, um, trying to get uh, a head start um, for the, the county season, seeing if there's any new blood or any missing remedies that they can pick up on. I wonder if that like spurs on the players a little bit, just knowing that they're there, maybe thinking, you know, that like 
nifty cornerback who he's thinking I never get a chance at the county. This will be my chance to like really show him and to be a bit braver going forward and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, fair, fair play to them in the end. Like it'll be. Um, I just, I just my heart breaks for Peter a little, but it, it'll be fine. Um, I remember when Mick O'Dwyer took over Leash, we got like the, the the excitement when a new manager takes over, right? And obviously, you want to impress them, and then they go to the club matches, and you're playing in the club, and you're not just trying to win. You're obviously it's in your head that there are new county managers here now as well. I remember when Mick took over Leash, we won the county final. I got one two in the final, and Mick loved me at the start. It took about six months for him to change his mind, but <laughs> I felt like I had a huge jump on every other forward. Well, me and Ian Fitzgerald played really well. This was the first experience he's had of Leash football, and there you are in the county final. And now you've got a huge head start because first impressions are massive. It's like Hubert Darcy, I was saying to him, Yeah, he thought you were a wing forward playing full forward. You know what I mean? The first impression, if you play well, in your first ever game with a new manager watching you and his first impression is that you're an excellent player. It'll take about four games for you to change those first impressions back around. But if you play shit in the first game he ever watches you in, it'll take you four good ones and he might never believe you're a good player because he's made up his mind you're useless. Is that what you found out with <laughs> Nick O'Dwyer? It took you four games, was it? Uh... About six months, yeah. No, well, I don't think he... Well, he never really had a problem with my form. It was more... Well, maybe a little bit on my form. It was more my... Uh, Outside the training, uh, uh, social life kind of was my problem with Mikko. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of, it's a it's a clean slate, like when there's a new manager there and you're kind of like, right, well, this lad, he, he might have a clue, like, especially if it's an outside manager like Mikko Dwyer, he won't know too much, like, about, yeah. like, leash football and he's coming in and he's just going off that first impression and it's a clean slate for everybody. And sure, like, you're kind of, when you're playing in a game like that, and as a new manager in, you'd kind of nearly have an eye up in the stand. Is, is he here today now? And like you're just buzzing to sort of give it a shot like and try and, I suppose, make that first impression that you're looking for. Well, that's it. That's it, exactly. So Carrigan are out in Antrim. They were going for three in a row. Um, this is the last county champions that are out that I could see. Um, Craigan beat them. Craigan, uh, Craigan always the nearly men, uh, Lee, up in Antrim. I think it's 67 years waiting for a title, but they're always in around the mix. Yeah, they were in the final last year against uh, Corrigan, um, and that was a very close game. Uh, this will be a huge, huge win for Craig. And um, when I say they're local rivals, I mean the two clubs are like right next to each other, and there's so many relatives, you know, back and forth. Like you're playing against your cousins and brothers-in-laws and and things like that. So it's it's and it's not a friendly rivalry by any means. Uh, there's always scraps at some stage. So for them to finally get over the line, you because know, they would have been like uh, like you know, the Everton sort of mentality, watching the neighbours get be so successful and loud and cocky about it and stuff. So finally get over there and um, to get to the final themselves and beating Corrigan on the way, that'll be absolutely huge. Like, And, and it's uh, good to see a little bit of a change of the landscape on uh, Antrim football because it's sort of just been Corrigan this last little way. Well, there's definitely going to be a change anyways because like we said, Corrigan haven't won it in 67 years and they're supposed to be playing St. Mary's Achnagallan, Achagallan. Um, they won a huge epic semi-final right and well, they won the fi- semi-final but it's probably going to have to be replayed because they both uh, or they beat uh, Port Leno uh, they're two clubs that I thought I was going to have problems with I probably messed up Ochnagallan. Um so it was a draw after normal time St Mary's Ochnagallan have never been in the final before and a draw after normal time the referee played two minutes of ten per- periods of extra time so two te- one ten and then another ten <coughs> And it was a draw after that. And instead of going straight to penalties, he played five and five minutes. So an extra 10 minutes of extra time. Now, I don't believe that's 
I don't believe that's following the rules. So uh, Port Leno are going to object to this. And poor St Mary's Ochnagallan, who are in their first county title ever, might have to replay that match now because they won it in the second period of extra time rather than it go to penalties. So I don't know, could that replay just be start with the penalty shootout? You know, they've drawn after the second period or they'll just probably have to replay the game. Yeah, they've, they've really opened a can of worms with this one, to be fair. I mean, the only thing I can say is, in, in fairness to Ochnagallan, is that, like... You know, both teams went out and played the game, you know, so whoever lost was obviously going to make that complaint. But and even though it wasn't protocol and it wasn't the correct thing to do, uh, they both obviously agreed to it because they went on to the pitch. You know, the players, I'm sure they weren't happy about it. And I mean, both teams in this situation. Um, but it was still a matter of who's the better team in the end and who's got that uh, who's got the legs to get over the line. And, and it was Ocknagallan in the end. So like they probably do deserve their place in the final but I can totally understand uh, Port Clown's frustrations you know especially when you finish that extra time and it's a draw and you're mentally probably already starting to think penalties um, and try to get your head around that because you know it's obviously a new thing in Gaelic football itself but I don't know what Antrim official came up and said that no we have to do it this way or if someone there is just dead against the idea of penalties and, and refuses uh, to, to, to let it get to that stage I don't know but they, they definitely have a case but I think I, I would be surprised if they did force the replay Port Clano, we don't know like if Port Clano came on after the two tens and said to the referee that's it it's penalties and then there was a bit of an argument you know you might say Port Clano have a bit of a case here you know they were thrown off this is going against the, what, what's supposed to be done but if Port Clano came on told extra five they agreed to it and they lost it fair and square after an epic game like that, you'd be nearly thinking, geez, just take your beating. The two, the referee made a mistake for both sides. Do you know what I mean? Like, Niall, it depends on, we weren't there, we didn't see it, and I didn't see any quotes from Portland o officials saying, it's outrageous, we made the case to the referee, and he, you know, we were about to walk off the field, and there was a big drama, you'd say, grand, you know, replay the game, they were thrown off, their, you know, out of their stride, this was clearly a mistake. But if both of them agreed... Hmm. Can you not just accept that result? Like that was an absolute epic. And you know when games come down to when often when a game goes to extra time, and like it, the, the score just stays like this team. The one team scores, the next team scores, and it's nearly a draw. And more often than not, like it will go to a penalty shootout. Like so, for a team to win after extra time again, like for the the five minutes of extra time again, like that's just uh, you know, like that's an epic win. Like and you've done something kind of when you were so tight the whole way through, you've done something brilliant to win that game. Like, so what a buzz it would have been for those Ochnagallan boys and like for it to kind of be thrown back at them like this, especially when both teams agreed, like, like it obviously went ahead for the extra time again. You'd just be sickened for those lads, especially as you said, it's their, their first county final too. Like, Jesus. Yeah. You'd be sick of them. But I think this was brought in. I remember a Claire Limerick league quarter final in the Gaelic grounds and it went to two it went to that extra time and then another one and in the second two fives the, the lads could barely walk and I remember thinking like that's actually cruel on players do you know what I mean just finish the game like I mean it's too much extra time Tony Kelly was outstanding which is no surprise that day in the Gaelic grounds and I think Claire beat Limerick I think Claire beat Limerick that was the year Limerick went on to win the All-Ireland I'm pretty sure but I think they changed it then for that reason and then I was reading in the Irish news saying that the rule is in for the second period of two fives if it's a county final. 
it has to finish on the day or something like that. So there's little bits, um, ins and outs. I don't know. I'm t- I, I, we'll wait and see what happens. It's going to be, it's, it's, it's uh, being discussed by the CCCC in Antrim. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens um, on that. In Leash, the, the kind of big, the big county final that everyone's hoping for was Port Leash against Port Harlington. Port Leash, obviously the big team for a long time in, in Leash and Port Harrington are defending champions. Port Harrington would be favourites going into that final. Port Harrington are a very good team. Port Leash destroyed Ballerone um, yesterday. I went up to that one. Garrett Dillon was excellent in the first half. And Port Leash, who haven't been playing well all year, they were beaten. They were beaten last year in the county quarter final. Followed up this year by beaten by Courtwood, who are not long up from intermediate um, in the first round. Got a reprieve, a backdoor in leash. It's not knockout. And they needed a last minute goal to beat Balafin. Then they beat St. Joseph's and they beat O'Dempsey's. And they put in their best performance against Ballerone team, who were an up and coming team. Destroyed them, really. Um, Ballerone's manager is Paura Clancy. And I met him for a few points on Friday night. And he was telling me it's a 50-50 game. I hadn't seen much of Ballerone. Um, I haven't had the heart to, to text him 50 50 since I might leave it a, I might leave it a couple of weeks or whatever but that sets up that huge final Port Leash versus Port Harlington um, and a two good footballing teams so I'm looking forward to this one in Derry uh, Lee Slock Nail needed extra time to beat Lavi and there, the only thing I want to talk about this the other semi-final was a one-sided game it'll be a good final Slock Nail and Glenn they hammered the loop but here's the Lavi manager. Now, you know, like, I mean, so Sla- Lavi started the game really well and went ahead. And then Patsy Bradley gets a black card just before half time, right? Lavi didn't push up. At the start of the second half, then Slocknail just killed the game, kept, played a bit of keep ball, kind of took the sting out of Lavi. This is with 14 men. And then the Lavi manager, Jude Donnelly, uh, said Slocknail probably killed uh, the time very well at that point. That was just after half time. Maybe in hindsight, we should have pushed out a, wit- a wee bit sooner. A point or two at that stage um, of the game was crucial, to be honest. This is unforgivable. So you're a counter-attacking team waiting to try and get Slocknail to come and, you know, attack you to turn them over. You're ahead. Slocknail are down to 14 men for, for 10 minutes and you decide just to leave Slocknail have the ball. It's almost like we've been, uh, you know, brought in a time machine back to 2013 or something. Yeah, well, in Derry football in, in recent years, it has been sort of defensive. Uh, when Marfelt won it in 2019, they, they definitely a, a very defensive structure in place. Uh, Ball and Derry have very much gone down that route in recent years, but... Uh, no, it is unforgivable because everyone's been ranting and raving about this Lavi team and how young they are and how fast they are and that they're up and coming and this will be the year that, you know, they'll finally make that breakthrough. And what what better opportunity could you have when you've got players like, uh, they have young Matthew Downey who uh, captained the Derry Miners to the All-Ireland this year, you know, and he's been fantastic on the, I think he scored four frees in that game. Um, a real calm head, like older than he seems. And, uh, you know, when Slacknil have a man down, you're ahead, you've just got to, you got to go for it, you know, and you you got to you can't just limp your way into the final, especially when you haven't been in one in a while. You have to really uh, attack them and and take the game by the scruff of the neck. So, like, yeah, they will. They'll rue that decision in, in the end, um, because eventually they went down, uh, and they needed a goal at the very death. Um, it was Eamon McGill. He got a, a big dirty toe poke on uh, a loose ball. It sort of spilled in around the box, and that sent it to extra time. But um, yeah, in, in the end, experience uh, with Slot Neil got them over the line. But here's the thing with the likes of Lavi, oh, young, fit, all those kind of things. And Ballerone are the same thing. Ballerone against Portlaoise, 
Ballerone have won two of the last three minor titles, you know, and they're up and coming. And again, they're young and fit and fast. And this tactic, uh, Ballerone had it. And I'm not sure Lavi had it too. They're a counter-attacking team. And, you know, they're dropping all these players back behind the ball. They're leaving maybe two up front. And it's like what I was talking with Hubert Darcy there. Like, teams don't give that 12 behind the ball, the ball back. Like, Port Leash are a big, strong team. They worked it over and back and worked it over and back and they got their scores. Now, if Ballerone did manage to get the ball back off them, they're a smaller team than Port Leash. Port Leash are a big physical team. Port Leash now have everybody bar two of their team inside the Ballerone half. Ballerone have everyone bar two inside their half. There's about a mix of about 24 players in a small uh, small area of the field. So even when Ballerone won it back, they had to work the ball out through their hands. They couldn't kick it to their two men because they're off up the other end of the field. They had to walk, the, try to work the ball out through their hands, running through Kieran Lillis, Kieran McAvoy, Garrett Dillon, Connor Boyle, big, monst- big huge Port Leash players. And all they're doing is slapping it back out of their hands. Like this, these kind of tactics are brain dead. This counter-attack football, and at least the, the, they've copped on at inter-county level, that this does not work as a tactic for your, you know, as a as your only tactic in Gaelic football. And I, I see club play teams and they're all doing the same thing. It's brain dead. If you win the ball back, you only can hand pass it. There's no kick pass on. And the other team have most of their players right up in your faces. So you don't get anywhere with it. Your counter-attack does not work. Remember years ago when the ball would be broken down, the other team would all, you know, they'd kind of switch off and the team would run down the field and it'd be this great counter-attack sweeping score. That doesn't happen anymore. You only end up running into a crowd of players to get the ball back off you. Unless you stretch the play. You have to stretch the play. And that means leaving more forwards up the other end of the field or you've got no attacking game plan outside of running a ball through a, a big huge pile of bodies it's so dumb and club teams because obviously club take their lead off inter-county and the inter-county slowly turning the other way you know club managers aren't ready to go I'm ripping up what I've been doing so a club is going to take a few more years to, to realise that this is so stupid it's so stupid that the attacking team has become more sophisticated now and they're not giving you that ball as easy as they used to. So all your 12 men back there is doing nothing outside of messing up your attacking game plan. It's so stupid, lads. It's so infuriating um, to watch it. But anyways, when I saw that Lavi comment, I couldn't believe it from the manager. Imagine the manager saying, geez, maybe yeah, we should, probably should have pushed up and tried to get the ball back off. Like, Give me a break. I can't, to read that bit would infuriate me. Um, so yeah, so maybe if Lavi want to start improving with their young team, they might start changing that kind of nonsense because that young fit counter-attack football is, is a thing of the past as far as I'm concerned. Um, last story of the day, lads, is Glenmore beat Thomastown. King Henry, first ever club match to lose as a manager, uh, Niall. Not a great uh, start for his Galway career, is it? <laughs> it's a it's a it's a bit of a sickener, I suppose, when he's uh, like just popping out of club GA and having won every championship he played into kind of. So he won two Kilkenny championships, two Leinster championships, and two All Ireland championships with with Ballyhale. Mm, and he was going. And now his the, confidence is ruined by not being able to win the inter, God, intermediate Kilkenny God, championship. Be sick, and won't it? Know, <laughs> we like got the, the wrong man. Exactly. Yeah. No. But uh, like. Thomastown they'd been they'd been there thereabouts like in that intermediate championship they'd been unlucky last year they lost the final on penalties 
to Listowney, like who they'd have been expected to to beat on that day, and they lost to Tullerone the year before. And I suppose with Henry coming in, it was the secret like, ingredient. This yeah. is the year now, but um, should Glenmore are like they've got they've the three Murphys, like Owen Murphy and his his younger brother Shane are in the half back line, and they scored something like four points from play between them. Alan Murphy with Aylward up front. The few Kilkenny Miners is an Ian Byrne there as well. Like, so they're a brilliant team. And I'd say the most surprising thing is that they haven't been in a intermediate final in Kilkenny, but it's it shows how competitive the whole grade is. But um yeah, it's a disappointing way to, to end for, for Henry's kind of club management for the yeah. moment. Well he has the job now anyways, at least it didn't happen before the Galway job and yeah, we were Davy all, Fitz began <laughs> Davy Fitz could have got it. Although he didn't set his, set the world alight with six mile bridge this year anyway, so maybe that, that would have balanced each other out. The Murphy brothers scored thirteen of nineteen points. Did you mention that there? Mm. Okay, you did. I wasn't listening. (laughs) (laughs) So Anthony Cunningham was interviewed anyways about King Henry getting the job and he was talking about, he was asked, probably not the most objective man in the world to be asked about Galway and, you know, what kind of, what can you expect with Galway? And I thought it was funny, obviously Anthony Cunningham was ousted by the Galway players and dug his heels in and wanted to stay and it got very messy and then eventually had to say that he was leaving. Um, Eventually, I just had to laugh at his answer. Um, you know, obviously that happened. There's still some players from that era still around. So Anthony Cunningham was asked what he'd like to see, you know, with Henry coming in. And he says, I want to see more young players coming through. Some of the older players have really given their day. <laughs> so it's just this little final. There you go, boys. That's the last little, uh, you know, payback for, for that little feud. Anyways, maybe I'm reading way too much into that. Look, we've, that's all we've time for. We're going to leave it there. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll do a little bit more on Thurla Sarsfield. I'm pretty sure the, the Kildare County final is next weekend. And we have some good stuff on Nace Newbridge rivalry. So we'll talk to you all on Thursday. Good luck. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> There's nothing else to eat. He was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, spit. But I burst out laughing about ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.